0: Ron and Anian. Here's a local Chevy dealer that's advertising used cars. So you can buy a 2005 Chevy Aveo for five grand. The car doctor. Where's that $500 car that we all had the opportunity to purchase and drive and abuse and hand it on to the next guy for 500 bucks? You know, you start looking at the numbers and you start thinking you know you need you need 12 grand to buy a a, a 6 year old car today.
1: Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair.
0: If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, he is Ronnie. Hey-o. Hey, Ronnie and, and the Car Doctor. Come on in and sit down. Phone number, as always, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 toll-free hotline. We are live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m., so if you're getting it now, we are live right now. How do you like that? 855-560-9900. You can call, and we'll put you up on air and answer your car question for you. If we are not, and you're taking this on delay or podcast or It seems like any one of the number of gazillion ways you can now listen to this radio show versus when we started it 25 years ago. You can call 855-560-9900 and leave a message. Fast Harry, our executive producer, will call you back and put you in the lineup for the next time we're in studio, live on air, and talk to you about your problem and help solve it for you because that's what this radio show does. More information at Cardoctorshow.com. Where else? Podcasting there. Also, you'll find links for TuneIn, iHeart, and iTunes com. You can uh, pick us up on podcast or stream us any which way you like. And if you need me during the week, Ron at Cardoctorshow.com. Uh, this hour, Tom, is it this hour we're giving away doing the Wix uh, car giveaway? I think so, right? Providing Tony and I don't
2: take it and go out and play with it first.
0: Okay, well, we'll put it back in the box and stop playing with it because I don't oh, want you to break on. it. Now, come on now. You never let us have any fun. We're giving away a one eighteenth scale f- nineteen thirty nine ford collectible from the folks over at Wix filter very nice very yeah, nice very price. nice piece those those racing discs and the hood and the trunk open and uh the detailed ford flathead engine so um i will be giving that away this hour you can look forward to that and uh, we've got a couple other surprises when might do this hour um, maybe we'll pry out a couple of t-shirts we'll see how the hour goes um we're actually looking into selling the t-shirts there's so much demand now there's so many requests for them so we're trying to set up something easy to do because our biggest fear is Uh, trying to go to sell them, thinking we're going to sell three a week, and all of a sudden find out there's uh, slightly more than that, and we'll end up stopping fixing cars and have to put T-shirts and envelopes. So uh, we're looking at that, too. We might do that out on Amazon. We'll see what the coming weeks bring. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit, before we get down to the calls, which are already backed up, I want to talk a little bit or real quick, if I can, about drive cycle monitors and explain it. To you because I think there's some confusion out there about what takes place, what, what transcends the process in order to get a vehicle to set a fault code or get it ready for state inspection and the where and the why and the how and the when. Monitors are self-tests. So you know, think about it like this: when you get up in the morning, you go through your process, you, you brush your teeth, you take a shower, you might shave. All right, you get dressed and so on. That's your self-test every day. That's how you know you you know you do things in some sort of logical sequence in some sort of order, and you're probably pretty consistent. You go downstairs, you have the cup of coffee, et etc. A car does it the same way. So if you ever stop to think about how or why does a car set a fault code, it goes through its wake-up call. It goes through its autoexec.bat file. Boy, I'm dating myself. Remember that back in the days of DOS, right, autoexec.bat? And I remember modifying those to get computers to do what we wanted them to do. So a monitor for the oxygen sensor, let's say, to determine if the oxygen sensor and its related circuits are any good might include things like it has to be less than 30 degrees Fahrenheit, The vehicle has to have sat for longer than two hours, a cold start. The vehicle might have to be going faster than 25 miles an hour. And within 30 seconds to a minute, they're going to test to see what is the O2 sensor activity. Do they see the sensor awake and working? At the same time as they're doing that, they're looking at, some of the other onboard circuits. So you might have more than one monitor at a time actually running the car, actually running while the car is, is, is driving down the road. If the monitor passes, if, in the case of the O2 sensor, the car sits there and says, okay, the O2 sensor woke up fast enough, it reached its peak, it reached its low, and it had enough s- switch rate, in other words, it passed the middle of its voltage scale enough times in a given time frame that it is deemed good, it will pass that sensor and drop the flag. Or actually, it drops the flag and then decides if the sensor passed or not. In the case where the monitor runs pretty consistent, you always do your, you always brush your teeth, you always take a shower, you do things in the same manner. The one morning you forget to put the cap back on the toothpaste tube, and you're supposed to, you completed the task, but you failed the test, and that's just what a monitor does. It will check to see, is the cap on the toothpaste tube? Did the do 2 sensor do what it's supposed to do? It went through looking at it over a given time frame, and it decides whether or not it passed. It completed the monitor. Whether it passed or not is another story. Now, running monitors can be difficult. Running self-tests can be difficult. i Hold a drive cycle for a 2001 Lumina this week at the shop. I was talking about it in the previous hour. And the cycle, the the test started off something along the lines of idle for two and a half minutes from a cold start. And think about how you're going to do this. Accelerate at half throttle to 50 miles an hour, decel, bring the car up at, Quarter throttle to 30 miles an hour steady state cruise for two minutes, decel without touching the brake, accelerate at three quarter throttle to 60 miles an hour for five minutes, decel without touching the brake, accelerate up to 30 miles an hour, decel, you're done. They say the whole thing should take 12 minutes. Now I want to know. Where you can idle for two minutes, accelerate to fifty, decel without touching the brake, without getting run over, accelerate to thirty, decel, accelerate to sixty, de-cell. I don't know any place you can do that. Well, probably the GM proving grounds or the middle of Yucca Flats, but you know, in the real world, around here we call that rubberneckers. All right, it's and I tried it. I was out on two eighty seven north in North Jersey during the week trying to do that, and as I'm deselling off on the side, almost on the shoulder, two 18-wheelers decided to try and run me over, which was exciting, and I'm just minding my business with the flashers on, trying to stay out of harm's way on a three-lane highway. I almost question, are monitors really a necessary evil, but I guess they can't figure out any other or a better way to do it. I can tell you this that monitors and self tests and getting the car ready for inspection like that if you wait until the last minute can cost you some money. I had over an hour of road testing in this one particular vehicle and I finally got everything to run as I wanted it to and needed it to in order to pass it for inspection. And and I suppose my point is that a if you know the car has to go for inspection, waiting till the very end probably isn't a very good idea and I understand that, you know, life gets in the way sometimes and Uh, There are moments where it's a little stressful and you've got to do it a certain way. But understand that you're putting the mechanic under a tougher condition and they've got more to do. And you're also setting yourself up if the mechanic doesn't really have the desire that perhaps that car isn't going to get driven properly and it may or may not pass as a result and it'll cost you even more money. Bottom line, monitors are something that we all have to deal with. They're getting better on newer cars. The cycle is shorter, and the response rate is quicker. But there are some complications, especially in the area of evaporative emissions, where cars might have to be left overnight. Do you know some monitors run now while the car is off and parked? And you won't see the result of that until the next time you go to start it in the area of evaporative emissions. That happens quite frequently on newer cars. So bottom line, if your vehicle is coming due for inspection, if you're just coming off fixing the check engine light yourself, Consider driving that car 75 to 100 miles under varying conditions. You can look up specific drive cycle uh, conditions for your vehicle, any good shop operating system, all data, Mitchell, uh, Identifix, whatever the case might be in terms of looking it up, and follow it to the best of your ability. But understand that you want to do it when there's no traffic out on the road because, as um, I point out, even when I did it with no traffic out on the road, Traffic wasn't very happy. Eight five five I'm Ron Amy in the car doctor. We'll be back to kick the garage doors open right after this. Car Doctor, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero is the phone number. Let's get over and talk to Alan in Shenandoah, Iowa. Alan, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
2: Hey, uh, this is Alan. I wanted to talk about the uh, 2004 Chevy Trailblazer today. Okay,
0: sure. What's going on?
2: Well, the lights flicker on it uh, when the vehicle's running, and it seems like the faster you f- the, the higher the RPM, the, the more it flickers.
0: Okay, now when you say lights, all the lights, interior lights, exterior lights... Correct, Uh uh-huh, all of them. All right, and uh, all the time, Alan, whenever you're operating the vehicle?
2: Yes, Uh uh-huh.
0: All right, if the engine is off and you're sitting there with the headlights on, do they just stay on steady?
2: Yes, they just, yeah, they're just steady. All right,
0: Um, first thing I'd look at is just making sure I've got good, clean battery connections, number one. Number two, I'd be thinking about a diode in the alternator causing an issue. Do you have any? Okay. Do you have any sort of a scope or any ability to check the diode?
2: I I don't know, but I'm just trying to find out what what to do and where to go.
0: Okay, um, you know the concern here is: do we have, is is it noise and feedback creating the issue? And I'd probably be inclined to unplug the alternator and I'd let your mechanic do this. Is just disable the alternator so it doesn't charge. Start the car up, and do the lights operate normally? All right. Okay. If if with the alternator disconnected and no power being applied to it, obviously, uh, what sort of voltage do we have? And you're going to be running off battery voltage at that point. if it's a cleaner voltage, it may not necessarily be a light flickering issue. When you say flickering, Alan, is it that it's physically flickering like the light is turning off, or is it that the light is brighter and dimmer?
2: It, it pulsates. It, uh, it goes brighter and dimmer.
0: Right. Uh, it's not okay. Like it's-
2: actually turning off
0: right it, it, it sounds to me like this is a charging system issue more so than bad connection or bad headlight switch something like that what i would okay. be, what i would do is i would also hook up a voltmeter to a power source battery possibly probably and monitor that does that seem like it's in a state of flux it's always changing 13.8 14.1 14.2 13.9 that type of thing. Is the voltage constantly sweeping up and down? Is the engine is the engine speed steady? Is it a good smooth idle?
2: Uh, when, it's, when it's at a good idle, I mean, it's, it's just constant. And then when you, you know, when you rev the engine up or put more RPMs to it, it just, it flickers up even faster.
0: Okay. So it, it's something in relation to engine operation. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be thinking about alternator and I'd be thinking about the general electrical system itself. Um, any check engine lights on in the vehicle? Uh, no. Okay. I mean, I would still go and pull codes just because that's what I'm a fan of doing regardless. And I wouldn't just look at engine faults. I would do. I would use a scan tool, something that will give you a complete system code scan to look at all okay. the modules on the car, body module, PCM, et cetera. But I would be looking more towards alternator as a possible source. And like I said, I would start by unplugging the alternator. Does that make a change? Understand when you do... And you run the car, you're going to see the charging system light come on on the dashboard, and that's understandable.
2: Yeah, the alternator, I think it's uh, sounding like the bearing's starting to go out of it anyway. But uh, Well, yeah, it's... and
0: it's, there's always that. You know, you may want to take the belt off and spin it if that alternator is noisy. Now, the, now the next question is going to be what alternator do you put on it if it's bad? Uh, just make sure you look very carefully because rotating electrical alternators and starters. That business has really changed over the last couple of years, and finding decent quality components is getting more and more difficult. Okay. All right. If if we were at the shop, I would be on a GM product. I would be putting a Delco piece on it. I wouldn't. Okay. I, I wouldn't be thinking about anything else. I'm really taking a harsh look at rotating electrical and trying to deal with top level stuff because all these cheaper alternators and starters that are being rebuilt. If 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 you ever if have you ever been to Chinatown, Alan?
2: Uh No. All
0: right. Well, if you buy an alternator or a starter from a non-name brand, you'll be visiting it very soon because that's what's going to be <laughs> in the car. Um, you open it up, and it's everything's made in China, which is our new 51st state. So um, just be cautious of what you replace it with. Okay. Pro- probably your best bet is do you have an O'Reilly Auto Parts by you? Uh, We do, Okay. I would go over and talk to the guys over at O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask them because they'll know what sells. They might have a particular brand. Maybe they don't have Delco. Maybe they have something else. Let's ask them, listen, I'm not here to do this three times, and it's not necessarily about price. I want the best that you've got. They're always fair when I've worked with them, and they will tell you straight, hey, use this, not this, and so on. Or here's why we sell this because it's better because we've got a track record on it. Um, but quality okay. of parts and where you get it is getting very important. You can also, if you want, do a little research, get out to O'ReillyAuto.com and look them up on their website and view it from there as well. Okay. All right, sir. Hey, Alan, stay on the line. Harry's giving me the high sign. We're going to be sending out that Wix Filters uh, diecast model to you, the 118th scale, the 39 Ford with the V8 flathead engine in it. We thought you might enjoy that, Harry said. And um, it sounds like uh, that will take your mind off what's going on with the Trailblazer. We wish you well and uh, hope you enjoy it. All right, sir. Take good care. Let's get over and talk to Don about an 04 F-150. Don, welcome to Ron, welcome to Ron and Andy in and the car, Doctor. How can I help you, sir?
3: Hey, Ron. I just had, I just had some news to share with you. Go ahead. '04 04 F-150, we had a kicking in the engine, and it was under warranty. And uh, the guy asked me on the phone if I changed the oil lately, and I said, yes, I did. He said, I did not use a motorcraft oil filter in it, so there's a check valve in there, so that's probably what your problem is. But in order to cover it under warranty, I had to take it to them. I took it to them. They changed my oil filter, put a motorcraft on there, had it for two days, and told me problem fixed. I got in the truck from the dealership, and it checked again. And I walked back in, and I said, "Uh, you didn't fix nothing. I called the warranty company up. Warranty company said that Ford issued a bulletin for a fifteen-second tick or a, a three-second tick in the motor when you first turn it over, with normal conditions. And I said n- no, because it didn't do this up till this time. So I got the warranty company and the dealer owner involved, and I said that there's something wrong with this motor. He, they, they said that it's a $2,400 deal to rip the front end off of this motor to check it. And I said, listen, I'm challenging you. There's something wrong. So they tore it apart and found an O ring got caught up in the oil pass that the timing chain is looped with.
0: Yeah, that's and up. I is, that, is that the one up in the cylinder head, Don? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, just as, a, just as a quick aside, there's a really good YouTube video that, and I think if you Google search, you know, Ford, what is this, a, this is a 5-4? Yeah, yeah. Right, if, yep. if, if you search on YouTube, Ford 5-4 valve train oil problems, or I forget the exact wording of how I found it, they will show you which galley plug you pull out. They're seeing that as a common fault. Don, stay on the line. I want to talk to you after the break. Sounds like there's more here, but um, just as an aside, the YouTube visit uh, uh, really pays off. There's some really neat things there. But worth looking at. Don, you stay put. I'm Ronanini in the Car Doctor. 855 560 9900. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ronanini in the Car Doctor. 855 560 9900. As we move along this hour, we're back with Don. Don, your comments about the 04-F150, refresh everybody's memory we were talking about. You had some issues at the the dealership, and the engine oil ports were restricted and plugged. And I understand you had a phone problem and you had to drop out. Um, One thing to keep in mind is that with regard to anyone that tells you, you know, bad oil filter and the filter was a problem, Hopefully, you know and knew, and you, it sounds like you did because you were you were smart enough to say, hey, I'm challenging you to this. When a manufacturer tells you it's got to have their oil filter on it, unless they put that in writing, uh, keep in mind that's a violation of the Magnuson Moss Warranty Act. I can almost guarantee, and I've yet to ever see a manufacturer come out and say, you've got to run our oil filter or it voids warranty, because they can't. The Magnuson Moss Warranty Act of the mid-70s, I believe it was 75 or 76, uh, stated that consumers, when faced with a situation where they're told they have to use a product specifically from that manufacturer, that it will be, um, it, it voids warranty. I understand Don's back. Don, your phone's working again. You there, buddy? Don? Hello? Yes, sir. There you go. Yeah, a right. little bit of a phone glitch. So you told the dealership no, and you made them take the engine apart, and you found the restricted oil orifice. Uh, where does it stand now? Did they finally fix it?
3: Absolutely fixed it, and didn't charge me anything. They covered the uh, co-payment on the insurance because they were trying to tell me it was all my oil filter. It charged me fifty dollars to take my oil filter off right. and put a Motorcraft on it.
0: What what brand oil filter was it that I had on there? Yeah, the one that I.
3: I'm not, I think it was a Wix oil
0: filter. Right. And I was going to say, if it's and you know what? There's absolutely nothing wrong with a Wix. Wix I, I, You know what? In all honesty, Wix might make the filters for Motorcraft. and Right. I, I, I can't say I know that for sure, but I can tell you that there are only two or three filter manufacturers left in the country, if not the world, I think, sometimes. And a lot of what they do, people like Wix are making the filters for the OEs, and the OE just slaps their label on it. As a matter of fact, you know what? Wicks Wicks were the ones that came up with the idea, if I'm not mistaken, of a silicon drain-back valve in the oil filters, which is a better style rubber, a better quality rubber. And, you know, their engineers are the ones that created and solved a lot of the problems by inventing that. Um, But as you say, they changed the filter from whatever you had on the wicks and they put a motocraft on, you still had the problem. So, you know, at that point, the dealer was just blowing smoke, as we say.
3: Right, because they wouldn't listen to me when I had them on the phone. I told them that it was making that before I changed the oil, right? And they they just assumed that it was because I changed that oil filter. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, it wasn't.
0: Well, good for you for standing up for them, And uh, keep in mind that you know any time a manufacturer says you've got to run our filter or our product or our our our, our parts, they've got to give them to you for free because that's right. covered under the Magnuson Moss Warranty Act. Hey, Don, I gotta go. Stay on the line. Do we have the ability to take Don's address? Don, stay on the line. Let's get your Car Doctor T-shirt. I like, I like somebody with guts that stands up to the big boys. And um, you earned yourself a T-shirt today. Let's go over and talk to Tim in Flint, Michigan. Tim, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
1: Hello. Thanks for taking my call. You're
0: welcome. What's going on?
1: 2008 Silverado. Okay. 4x4, uh, four, four four, 1500. Right. Very good shape. When I bought it, bought, I used it, of course, about two years ago. Um. I was told at two different places I needed four ball joints. And I guess that's my first question. Does all four wear at the same time? I never had that issue.
0: Well, what usually happens, and how many miles are on this, Tim? 125. 125. What usually happens is you usually wipe out a lower. Okay. All right? So you wipe out a lower. This is a what series, Silverado? 25, 35? Uh, 15. 1,500. Okay. So you know you'll you'll wipe out a lower and you're gonna do one on the left, let's say. Let's say it's just the left side that's got a bad lower. You want to okay. you want to do both on that same side. And here's the reason why that new joint is going to be tighter and a more precise fit than the upper that's still in the truck. you're okay. You are now going to place dimensional load on that lower ball joint as a result and you will you'll actually wear out the new lower faster by leaving it in with that older 125,000 mile joint. That's that that's that's one school of thought, all right, that the industry has. The second is, you're on that side, you've got it apart, your if it takes you an hour to get to that lower, you're probably a half hour to get to the upper. Why not just do it? all right uh here's the strong but but to say that it needs all four what you do to the left doesn't predicate what you what you normally should do to the right now some people are going to say listen it's got a buck and a quarter on it it's eight years old uh you know what i might as well just do them all now and get it over with and then i've got four evenly you know evenly new for lack of a better way to put it ball joints in the truck all right what's kind
1: of what's kind of throwing me off is this truck rides straight as a pin right and no, no tire wear at all, uh, you know, odd tire wear, and w- what what started it is I had an alignment put on it, and they said it was in specs, okay. and which I don't really know exactly what the specs are as far as loose to tight, you know, and then the wheel is straight, probably ninety percent of the time, and then I look down and it's a little off to the left once in a while. Is that due to the ball joints loosening?
0: No, something doesn't something doesn't sound right here. You know, if, if somebody did an alignment and they did a real alignment and it was an honest alignment and they did it the proper way and all the other parameters that I've got for doing a good alignment because a lot of places are, are, are scam artists with it, uh, yeah. quite honestly, um, you know, if they've done the alignment properly, they would have to tell you you can't align loose. All right, so that's what I thought, and, and that's and that's the exp- and that's the same, and it's the truth. We had a 2007 Honda Accord in the shop this week. Did an oil change. It was in for an oil change, a rotate, and an alignment. Did the oil change. Did the rotate. Shook down the front end like we always do. Everything seemed good. Proceeded to do the alignment. Put the alignment heads on it, and we went through our turn steps. You know, turning the wheels and, and, and getting caster and so forth we could see it jump and then when we loaded we took the heads back off loaded the suspension a different way we found a bad upper ball joint on the left side hmm. all right okay. and as a result we repaired the left side so you can't align loose it's it's just right. that it's just that simple
1: is is the it's the days of a steering wheel alignment out with the airbags and whatnot
0: oh no you can still align a steering wheel but you know if the steering wheel is straight going down the road and you've got it you know finding a flat let me say it like this finding a flat road in new jersey doesn't exist all right all right so you've got to look at road crown all right and you know uh, i've been pulled over more than a few times by the boys in blue uh, because I'm riding in the middle of the road, trying to make you know, is is the car on the center of the crown just right and tracking down the road? That's straight. If the wheel goes okay. off, then it's it's generally the road itself, barring okay. a steering shaft coupling or something else creating that issue. Ball joints won't affect steering angle like that to keep the wheel straight. So uh,
1: let me. Because you know, I don't I don't have a problem, of course, replacement if they need replacement. Right, I've had right. bad ball joints before right. when you clunk when you turn and.
0: Let me, let me ask you this, Tim, and then I'm going to run. Who's okay. your Who's your regular mechanic? Do you have a regular mechanic?
1: Uh, dealership, but I'm losing
0: interest. Right. So, you know what? Maybe it's time to get a third impartial outside opinion. Do I really have bad ball joints and why? Find somebody that's actually going to, you know, they can't check them up in the air without loading the suspension. They've got to put a load on the lower control arm to duplicate road load road road lo- load or they're going to have to do it on a drive-on rack and then mm-hmm. let's and then let's find out for sure okay okay but something sure. doesn't make sense here for somebody to align this and then turn around and say somebody else says hey you need ball joints somebody's lying something doesn't right. something doesn't add up so go through that if you got any other questions shoot me an email ron at cardoctorshow.com or give us a call and we'll go from there Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. the car doctor's coming back don't go away in The Car Doctor. Time for my new, fast-becoming favorite part of the show, except where I have to talk to Tom. Oh, go away. Yeah, feelings mutual. There you go. How are you, <laughs> Mr. Ray? Uh,
2: anyway. Uh, what do you got? Jeff Heron writes to Ronanian on the Facebook page. Uh, hey, Ron, I love the show and look forward to listening to the new podcast each week, and my question <laughs> is about the low-beam headlights on my 2003 Toyota Corolla. I go to work in the middle of the night and have about a 30-mile commute on twisty mountain Road, so my headlights are important. The lenses are perfectly clear, and my high beams work great, but the low beams have always seemed weak and don't throw very far. He's uh, looking for recommendations either on what to do, what to do about the assemblies. Does he need
0: new lenses? Does he need new uh, new project light projectors behind it, or should he get new bulbs? Easy peasy. Got it. Okay. Here's what you want to do, Jeff. It's it's just this simple that you want to get out and take a look at what O'Reilly Auto Parts has. Get out to OReillyAuto.com and scroll down. They carry the full line of Sylvania Silver Star bulbs. And you can do the ZXZs, you can do the Ultras, uh, you can do the Silver Star plane. Uh, We like the Silver Star Ultra. It's sort of middle of the road, and it will give you a better, low-beam, brighter, cleaner, whiter light. All right, and help you with those dark shadows on mountain roads, just like you're describing. And the nice thing is, it's O'Reilly Auto parts, so they come with a one year warranty. They back it up. You can do a mail order. Um, They're very good about it, and you can either that or go in and pick them up right off the shelf. It's either one. But um, I like the Sylvania Silver Star Ultras. And the reason I say it like that is because you can put in some of these lights that are so bright, they're overwhelming. and you will find that, in some cases, the brighter the light, the shorter the lifespan. So you're, you're trading off here. We find, matter of fact, Fast Harry's got a set of Silver Star Ultras in his uh, Mercury Sable, and he's had them in there for the better part of two years, and he loves them. He comments to me now that he's getting a little older. It uh, helps him see at night. As um, I'm not sure what happens more. I'm not sure if it gets darker earlier or the older we get it's um, just darker in general. So, But uh, for us older folks, you, you, you know what I'm saying. But, Jeff, get out to O'ReillyAuto.com, O'Reilly Auto Parts. If you got one in your neighborhood, Sylvania Silver Star Ultra, that'll solve the problem for you. And uh, we can kind of take it from there. Hey, let's pull over and take a pause, 855-560-9900. We'll be back to wrap things up right after this. <laughs> Welcome back. We're on the Car Doctor. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. And keep in mind that's 24-7. If you need the car doctor, give us a call at 855-560-9900. Keep in mind that's a 24-7 messaging service. We've attached a system to that so that you can leave a message if we're not on the air. We're live on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. But leave a message fast. Harry, our producer, will call you back and get you in line up for the next following show. Let's uh, go over and talk to Frank, Congress New York. How are you today, Frank? Welcome back to the ah, Car How's Doctor Show. Good, sir. Beautiful What's going day. on? Thank Beautiful you. Beautiful day
1: to be alive. Listen. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, today What's is Saturday, and today's uh, wear a Ron shirt all day. I'm a <laughs> volunteer fireman, and I uh, normally wear firehouse shirts, but today's Ron day. So car that's shirt. what we're doing.
0: Appreciate it. Appreciate it. You got
1: yeah. it. Listen, quick tip for everybody. Went up to a friend of mine, stopped by his house. He's got the car jacked up. It's nice weather. He's going to swing the tires around. But he's not chalking the tires or so forth like that. So, what we're talking about, a little safety out there too. Yeah, great, that's great that's, show today. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, that's and that's always a good thing. You know, Frank, I, I was I was driving yesterday coming home, and mm-hmm. coming up Route 17 North through Paramus, New Jersey, and I saw so, someone uh, on yeah. okay. saw someone on the side of the road in his little Honda CRV, and mm-hmm. he had the car up on the jack, the little that little, that little scissor jack? the little scissor jack that they give you, and he's sitting right. under the car. He's got his yep. legs under the car, trying to get the tire on and off. And I went, "Oh my god!" And unfortunately, I wasn't able to stop because I usually stop and you know try to help somebody like that because I can just sure. see if, if that car collapses. You know, you have to have such respect for an automobile. You know, from the simplest things in changing a tire. I think it should be mandatory that in order for someone to get their license at 17, the heck with the driving test because we give them, we, we give them the rules and the regulations and they still drive terrible. I think one right. of the first things they should know how to do is they've got to be able to change a tire safely the on tire. the side of the road.
1: Listen, we got young people driving cars, right, and they get a flat tire. So give me a call. Okay. I say, well, there's Jackson there. Be careful. I don't know how to change tire.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's yeah. you know, and I think I think changing a tire should be as important as learning to swim, to give an analogy, and I really believe that. Frank, I appreciate the call, and I appreciate your concern. I respect what you guys do, and uh, thanks once again, as always. You know, tires are are just that important. We don't realize that that little contact patch, and then picking tires that's an issue, and then it's it's not going to get any easier. We had a 2011 Buick in the shop this week, a LaCrosse. That needed four tires. The car's got 31,000 miles on it. The tires are absolutely smoked. I mean, just worn off the edges. The car had an alignment issue, which didn't help, but the tires were worn, in my opinion, prematurely. 245, 50, 17 is the tire size. Do you know I looked these tires up? There were only four possible choices of brand. 245, 50, 17. When you're talking about a national brand, something that's available on a regular basis... Fortunately for her, because I asked her, and you know, this is we're talking about tires and picking them, also not just changing them. You know, one of her parameters was she was looking for something with good wet road traction. And when Debbie said that to me, I said, "Okay, General ASO three, which is what we put on the car from General Tire." And the neat thing about them is that they have grooves cut in the tire the way it's the tread is designed to help channel water so it's 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 an excellent all all season all weather tire but designed specifically really a great tire in wet road conditions and people don't stop and think about that either about how to pick a tire and it's just gotten to be that important so um you know just be aware frank i appreciate it and uh, for everyone else out there if you want more information about generals get out to the uh, general website general wow what a fast two hours today was. It just kind of flew by. You know, I didn't even get a chance to talk about, I'm going to sneak it in here. Did you know, look at what Denso Spark Plugs is doing? Denso Spark Plugs now power more NHR winners in Charlotte. They just came out with a press release. I'll have to see if I can get this up on the Facebook page, talking about how Denso helps the folks at uh, NHRA and what they're doing. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor reminding each and every one of you, the mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. Everyone.